season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have Texas native, Texas 12 u- utility player, you know, playing pitcher, catcher, outfield, infield, everything on that baseball field. We got 2025 Texas Tech commit Dane Perry on the JKR podcast for the Texas 12 baseball series powered by Mind Baseball. Dane, super pumped to get you on the show. You are, I believe, my second Texas Tech commit out of all, you know, 200 plus episodes. You know, so super pumped to get you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. You know, obviously, like I said, you know, this is going to be the last week of this Texas 12 baseball series. You know, I've learned a lot about you, the coaches, the players here in this 12 organization. Um, So I'm excited to, you know, get this rolling, talk about your career, talk about your time with the Texas 12. Um, but before we dig into your baseball career, I've got one question I'd like to dig into with everybody to start it off. And that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Dane Perry? So I would introduce myself and say, like, walk up to you, give you a good handshake and say, hi, my name is Dane Perry. I'm a class of 2025 and I'm a Texas Tech commit. There we go. So as we dig into your as we dig into your baseball career, let's start off with travel baseball. Obviously, this is the Texas 12 series. So we want to highlight them as much as possible. Talk about them at at the get go. Um, So just take us through your travel baseball career, you know, how it got started, you know, maybe, you know, when you got connected with Coach Bennett and the Texas 12, just kind of take us through that here a little bit. So it was around, I think, 11 or 12 you, I was playing Little League All-Stars and my dad and a couple of friends were like, let's make a travel ball team. And so we made the travel ball team for like the first two or three years, played with them. And then there's one game where it was like the championship game or something. We're playing one of 12's uh, top teams for like 14U or 13U or something like that. And I ended up, I think, pitching or doing something really good that game. Uh, I think I was catching actually. And Actually, I threw out a couple of runners, and the their coach was really cool. Came up and talked to me, and he talked to Coach Greg and hooked me up with Coach Greg and all of them. Okay, so you know you start, you know, playing well. Okay, after 
you meet coach coach you after you meet coach Bennett for the first time you know how long is it until you actually are playing for the Texas 12 and playing underneath coach Bennett so the first time I met him was it was 14 you no 15 you sorry and they go on me come out to practice and see him and like come practice with them see how everything goes see how well I fit in and stuff I got there and practice, and then the next weekend they had a tournament. And I was out there playing with them that tournament. Okay, so you know, with you actually playing for Coach Bennett, I know he is the coach for that twenty twenty five team. So, what is that relationship you have, you know, with Coach Bennett? Maybe some of his assistants as well. You know, what is that relationship, and how has that evolved since that first tournament you played in with uh, with them? You know, a couple of years ago. That relationship has grown to a level I couldn't even imagine this he's helped me out so much with my recruiting process everything with baseball he's could help like done to do is he's blown it out of the water he's made this so much better of me going to get my school that I want to go to and everything else I want to do for baseball yeah so as you've seen coach Bennett you know coach you guys on a game-to-game level you've seen I'm sure coach Hodge you know build this organization alongside coach Bennett you know, with you being an insider, what do you think has led to the success of this Texas 12 program? Definitely their coaches and how they go out to see other people and recruit them to come uh, play with them. Like how I like whenever I got my like um, invitation to go like practice with them, they the coaches were super cool. Very nice. Always like just. It's like they almost just like like pulled you in by like a rope. They, they just made it like so good how they how they do their run their stuff and how they'll pull just pull you into their organization. Okay, and I know coach, you talk about going to that first practice and then like a week later you're actually playing for them. Uh, what is a Texas twelve practice like? I know Coach Bennett when I interviewed him, he said that was one of the key emphases he had on starting that Texas 12 program. Obviously, most travel baseball teams across the country aren't having practices with each other. What does a Texas 12 practice look like, and where's maybe some of those main emphasis on, you know, during a practice? So, um, like, I live, like, super like, – I live, like, almost two hours away from the practice field, so I've been to maybe, like, three or four. Um, but you start out, you go out there, you get all your cleats on, everything ready. You go out and we do stretching for about 15 to 20 minutes. And then go from stretching, like team stretching, and then you can do some of your bands, plow balls, uh, individual stretching. And then we go into throwing for about 25, 30 minutes. And then we have either catchers go to – our cage or we go down to our catching spot, like where all of our um, catching coaches are and all them. And then outfield to go to outfield and then infield to go to infield. And they'll do like in and out and just do a bunch of that. And then go from there. It's either, if you're going to do catching bullpens, you just go to the bullpen, catch the pitchers that are throwing bullpens. And if you're hitting, you just go to the cage or some days we'll hit on the field, do like a live scrimmage type thing. Okay, so with you being a utility player, you know, like I said, pitcher, catcher, outfield, maybe a little infield to sprinkle in there as well. You know, when you're at a practice like that, you know, where do they kind of put you? Are you still catching bullpens? You pitching? I guess for you, like, where's that main part that they have you practicing at when you're playing for the 12? The main part they pretty much have me at is catcher and outfield. And then, like, if we really need, like, a pitching situation, I'll come in and pitch and maybe, like, close the game and maybe throw, like, one or two innings. Okay. So as you as you're looking back, you know, into your travel baseball career, obviously you still have two summers left. You have this summer, you have next summer as well. But as you're looking into the past, playing for the 12, 
playing for your dad's, you know, little league all-star teams as well. You know, what are some of those just favorite travel baseball memories that come to mind just when you're looking back at these past couple of years and, you know, just going out, balling out and obviously, you know, heading to Texas tech as well. Just what are some of these favorite memories from travel baseball? I think the top one's got to be when we won the WWBA in Hoover, Alabama, we went, I believe it was 12 games. I can't remember. We went like 12 and 0 and just, we, we just balled out and just play as hard as we could. And we just rolled through teams. And there were some teams that like, like we kind of like personally knew and it was like a dog fight just back and forth. And that was probably one of the best. And then say the second one had to be at Cary last year. We were playing a USA prime in the, semifinals before the championship game and we're down it was one it was one oh we're up and I got sec runners on first and third and, uh two outs and I take a three two count and I had a home run to put us up by four to give us a bigger cushion to make it to the game okay. championship game. Okay. So you talk about that USA tournament. You know when I'm talking to some of you Texas 12 guys, I always like to bring it up. Take us through that USA tournament. You know what that day to day looked like just the atmosphere in general. And I guess I'm assuming you guys are probably heading back there this summer. So, you know, what you're looking forward to most of, you know, potentially being back in Cary. So we are going to head back this summer, but whenever, so like the whole rundown of like you getting there and playing, it's like you get there, you, you like sign in everything and what do you have to do? And then you have, and you get like one practice day before the tournament starts. So you go out, do like your practice, go do, Outfield velo, infield velo, catcher velo, um, and off the tee or like exit velo off the tee, and then I think it's front toss velo maybe. Yeah, I think so. And then it's four or five days of playing, and it's either you have one game, one game, two games, or it's one, two, one. But you're always going to have two two days of one game and one day of two games, and the whole rest of the tournament. Will, now it'll be pool play and the horse will turn it will play out. Okay. So another thing you got to take part in within USA baseball, I know talking to coach Bennett, he said you were part of that USA trials. Take us through what that event was like, you know, maybe some connections you got to make with some players across the country. Just take us through that event as well. The day-to-day -day atmosphere, the same sort of questions I asked for that USA tournament. So I, I'm going to start with that. Like when I got selected, go like to go like the tournament or I was at the tournament and they they chose 75 kids out of all those teams at the tournament to go do like a practice thing. And then they cut it down to like, I think it was like 50 kids. And there was like 50 kids that made it from there, moved on to Arizona. I was one of them. And then they took the, probably the top 2026s and the 2025s and the, and took the top 75 of them to Arizona. And we had two rounds of like trials, which is also like, how would you put it? It's like competition, basically. So, first round was you got like we showed up there. We got our all of our equipment and stuff. We got our rooms, and we had like two days of practice. And then we showed, and then first game go out and went and played hard, and then came back. The other teams played, and then same thing the next day. Uh, but the other teams played first, and then we played again, and then you come back do all that like and then they you come back you go chill out for a little bit coaches go everything who they want who they want to cut and all that stuff you go into the room the meeting room with the 75 kids and then they'll call out the there were 36 kids i believe 
that made it to the second round of trials. And then they split them up into two 18, uh, 18 player teams. And then we went to head to head two days in a row and played two games against each other, play as hard as we could, balled out. They call it, they, we go back to the hotel, go back to our rooms, chill. They go over who they want for the team. And in the second, and we go back to the meeting room and they called out the USA, the 15 USA team to go. That's going to go to Mexico. There is a couple kids or one kid from 12 that's went that was on there. Um, I made it and then a bunch of kids. And there were, we, that was probably the most fun environment of baseball I've been in ever. It was absolutely amazing. But just from being there and, and seeing all those kids and talk to them, as I made so many connections with kids that I never knew I would make connections with. Yeah. So you got to be a part of that team USA team. You said you're going down to Mexico. Had that, has that already happened or is that coming up here this summer? Yes. That already happened. We won the gold medal back in September. Okay. So take us through that. I know for the 18 or the 17 or 18, you, I can't remember which team it was, you know, one medal, the gold medal, you know, that had Max Clark on it, Kendall George, Blake Mitchell, all those guys. I know they were down in Florida for you guys going to Mexico. Take us through just that that experience being on Team USA. Not very many people get to put USA across their chest and represent their country. So take us through just that experience and just that um, uh, pride that you had, you know, representing USA baseball. So, like, after we got all selected, we stayed in Arizona for another week and did a bunch of practices, got to know each other, got to know how to, like, to play with each other, like, learn each other and all this stuff. And then we flew out from Arizona to – it was Sonora, like Hermosillo, Mexico area, and got to our hotel and get there. And we go, we have one practice day. So we have to get up at like 5.30 in the morning or something. We went out, had practice, uh, came back to them. We had our game, our first game that night. And we had nine games. Yeah, nine games. We had, we went eight and one with the, Gold medal. We the one loss we had was to Japan. I don't know what happened that game. We kind of just like struggled a little bit, but we came through with the gold medal and just just being there and getting to play baseball in a different country, especially getting to play baseball for your own country, and like you know that everybody's watching you on TV and stuff, and like families and friends are watching it back at home. It was like. It was the most unreal thing for baseball I could have ever imagined doing. I would have never thought if that was five years before, like five years before, I would have never thought I would I would have been there doing that. So playing up against other countries, could you see maybe a different style of play? Let's say when you're facing Japan, facing some of those other teams you got to face, was there maybe a different style of play than the type of baseball we play here in America? There's a very different type of play because yeah, Japan, Chinese Taipei, um, and then I think it was like France. They they were a very like they were a small ball team. They love to put bunts down, love to like slap hit the ball. They're not, they're not very big power hitters, but if they hit one pretty good, it'll go out there. But it won't go as far as like other teams like trying to hit like home runs and doubles and triples and stuff like that. They were just real small ball. Okay. So with you, you know, being a part of this team, uh well, I guess being a part of the USA trials, team USA. I know who 
And obviously, even playing for Texas 12 as well, when you're facing some of the top tier travel baseball teams across the country, you know, if you can kind of go through, you know, when you're on the mound, maybe some of the toughest hitters that you've faced so far in your career. And then when you're actually, you know, in the batter's box, maybe some of those toughest pitchers you've gotten to face so far in your career as well. Um, I think one of the, one of the toughest pitchers I had to face was actually a kid in high school last year. His name is uh, Diego Lazardo. He's from Laporte. He's come into U of H, I, I believe. He's a 2023. And he he came out. So we faced a different pitcher to start off. And they were up like 7-5. And we're good, like rival schools and stuff. So he comes out in like the bottom of the seventh inning to shut us down. I had to pin I, – I pinch hit that game because I was getting an off game. And I pinch hit that one. He – I like I haven't seen at that time I didn't see anything over 93 94 this kid was just pumping 93 94 by me I was like all right I need to shorten up figure something out fouled a couple off and then he just blew a 90 almost 95 right by me and it just blew me out of the water it's like I gotta figure something out that's the that's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life I'm sure um so this then, is, oh go ahead oh uh, sorry and then I think pitching was facing so I so this this one's a funny one. I was pitching the semifinals game after I hit that home run carry last year. And I was it was last inning, last at bat I had the semifinals game. It was like second pitch. This kid runs one up in on my hand, fractures my pinky. And I go to the I go to the ER, go like get all fixed up and stuff. And I, I came in the next day. Uh, I came back because our we're playing a championship. We ended up winning that game. And I face and then I went in and pitched. And all these kids were like, maybe like these big, like six three, six two, like one eighty, one ninety kids that could just smash. And I like, I had to go like first start the catch started. He was doing good, and then he started to get touched a little. So we took him out, and then I got, I got really touched up. That team just, they just knew where to place the ball, where to hit it. It was just insane. Yeah. All right. So this is going to be a two parter question here for you as we look into. Texas 12, and we also look into Team USA, the USA Trials. Maybe take us through, you know, some of those relationships you've been able to build, you know, through that event and then also, you know, playing multiple tournaments with the Texas 12. And then even beyond that, for question number two on this is, you know, as you're playing with all these top-tier talented guys, guys who are heading to Power 5 schools just like yourself, you know, how are you going about, you know, maybe picking their brain, maybe seeing how they go about their business, whether that's, you know, going through a bullpen, going through a round of BP. How are you kind of, you know, maybe pick their brain, maybe gain some knowledge of your own amongst your peers who are that same si uh, same talent level as you? Mm -hmm. So – Starting off with the relationships one, like the really like like I said earlier, the racing relationships that I built with kids I never knew I would talk to in my life, like just is through the roof. Like I still talk to my teammates from the USA team all the time. Like we have big group chat together. We're always texting each other, asking how we did, how we're doing, like just making sure each other are doing good and all this other stuff. And then twelve, I may haven't like met as many people as I did on the USA, but I still have met a lot of people that I would love to talk to more often that I don't get to talk to that often. Like at the USA thing at 12, like I had a bunch of friends that I played with because I played with the, I played for a U I did a USA thing when I was like 11, I did the NTIS thing. And so I met a bunch of kids from there and then all those kids have like developed and gotten really damn good. And then they go out to the same tournament that I go out there and play in and, 
that 12 goes out there and play in and I just get to know them, get to talk to them and keep seeing how they're doing, getting updates. Yeah. Sorry. I have to ask. What was the second question again? Um, how, how you pick the brain uh, or how, how you maybe go watch some of these guys that you're playing with when they are like that same caliber ball player as you maybe pick their brain, uh, see how they go about their business in the bullpen rounds of BP, just, you know, how you've picked up stuff, you know, amongst some of your peers. So I'm, so for pitching, like I may not be, I'm not the hardest throw at all, but if I can go in there and throw strikes if you need me to, but I'm not going to blow up by anybody. So like, I just like seeing my friends, cause there's a couple of kids on my team that can run it up to 92, maybe 93 and they'll run it up there. And like, I'm like, they're the same size as me, but how do they throw 10 miles an hour harder than me and stuff? So it's like, I try to see what they do as their warmups and then like, what their long toss is, how much they throw, and then their bullpens to see what they work on their bullpens and stuff. It's like I've picked up a, some from that. I've gained velo like four, four or five miles an hour, and then like hitting. Um, me and my it's pretty much hitting is just me and my dad. Like me, I've I've learned everything from baseball from my dad ever since I was like two or three, and I like I take videos of my hitting. I study my hitting i study other people's hitting i study like a guy at tech right now that i'm super good friends with i study his hitting all the time i love his swing i'm not i'm not trying to mock his swing because it's i need my own swing and but he just the way he stays through the ball and stays back on it is just the most and he's like he's my height and he's he had the most home runs as an sec as a freshman in the sec for this spring and fall and he's just, he's just generates so much power from like how his swing is. So I try to like learn stuff from him to help me out. Yeah, I'm sure. So I got one last question about the Texas 12, then we'll go ahead and transition into Texas high school baseball. You know, we're going, going through this spring, uh, but you know, what are you looking forward to most for, you know, this 2023 summer, 2024 summer as well, and rounding out your travel baseball career with that 12 uniform on just what are you looking forward to most of just continuing on with your travel baseball career? just trying to make more relationships, meet more people, meet more coaches and stuff, and just keep going with the flow. Okay. So making that transition from travel baseball to high school ball, kind of take us through what your freshman year was like last year. Obviously you're 2025, you know, playing at that varsity level. So take us through last year as a freshman and now this year going into this season. I know you guys are what you said a couple games into the season already. Yeah. Just take us through, you know, what the outlook is for this spring, you know, and then, I, like I said, you know, start off with, you know, talking about your freshman year as well. So freshman year, I was little. I was probably the smallest kid on the team. And I started out super slow. Like fall was not good. I started out like struggling. I'm like, I need to fix something. I got myself fixed and then I did something to my, what was that? I think it was my wrist or something. I messed it up and like, it would like hurt to like hold the bat. And then I go out and I get healthy and I come back and I just started hitting as I just started hitting. I couldn't like, I pretty much like couldn't stop. And then mid, I was like, I was our DH. I, I didn't play the field much. I just pitched in DH for us. And then there was a point in the season where I just hit the, I just fell off a cliff on hitting. Like it just went bad. And I was like, all right, let's get in the cage. Let's go figure out what's wrong. Let's go take videos, see what's going and messing up. And then I figure it out. I get back. And I'm facing this kid from – I'm facing the kid from Laporte again, Diego. 
I come back after that game. I struggled against him. I come back to that game, and I was three for four with a home run, a double, and a single off him. And then we go on. We just – my that team was just – that team's chemistry that we had was just so amazing that it's like I, – I feel like no, no team would have ever beat us except for, like, if we got into our own heads. And so we – Going all the way out from there, we run first round of playoffs, second round, third, fourth, fifth, and get all the way to the state game, like the state semifinals. We went there, got up early. I uh, Texas A&M commit Boots Landry in front of me. He's twenty twenty three. Um, he he started off with a single with a walk, or um, so his first hitter got out, second hitter got out, and then Boots came up, hit a single. I hit a single. And then I think we scored one on that on that uh, on that uh, turn of at bats, and then we come around like it was like the fourth or fifth inning. I started um, our the kid at Tech, Dylan Maxey. He started off with like a single up the middle, and then our second our shortstop uh, hit like a blooper to right field. Dylan moved to third. Uh, he was at first, and then Boots hit one like down the line for like a double. Scored Dylan second and third. I come up and I uh I hit uh I got walked and then I think the kid behind me hit like a single or something to score two. And then it was my last at bat to like lead off the bottom of the or the top of the sixth. I let it off. I hit a foul ball home run that I hate those. <laughs> and then second and the next very very next pitch, I hit a triple in the right center field gap. And then I come around to score on a single later on. And then state game, as a freshman year still, state game, um, first at bat, I hit a – I couldn't have not hit a ball any harder right to the third baseman. Like, he just put his glove up and caught it, and we had a runner on second. And then, like, that would have scored the – that would have scored a run. And – they hit a home run in the top of the first inning. It's, we have our we had a our twenty twenty three uh Texas commit um pitching and he, he this kid's like ninety one ninety three top ninety five the other day and this kid just caught up to like a ninety two mile fastball his eyes and like our Easton just did everything for him like this kid was just like real slow to his zone but it was just up and he got got there somehow and then. Like two innings later, we it was like one one. We ended up scoring. It was one one. They come back and hit another. They hit. They got another hit, and scored another run. We had a bunch of walks that game, which killed us too, which we don't really want. And then second at bat, I come and I hit. I hit another piss missile line out at second base. So like if we had a runner on second again, if that gets over, we we probably either tie the game at that point or win the game. It was like bottom six or bottom seven. I did that, and then coming into sophomore year, fall ball was really good. I hit really well, um, and then we started doing scrimmages and stuff. I struggled a little bit there, and then start I started to pick it up around our um, opening game, our opening like home district game, like where our season actually like starts to count. Started picking up there and starting to feel really good about it. So you mentioned Landry there, you know, an A&M commit for that class of 2023. I believe you said there's an, uh, there was a Texas Tech guy on that team last year as well. You know, maybe who were some of those guys that, you know, maybe 
took you under their wings last last year as a, as a freshman, maybe showed you the ropes of high school baseball. Um, what were some of those relationships you built with some of those older guys? You know, being a, a commit to a Power 5 school and being very talented, who were some of those guys who were a little bit older who maybe took you under their wings? So the one that really took me under his wing, which I didn't want anybody else to besides him, was Dylan Maxey, the catcher at Texas Tech right now. This kid, most talented high school baseball player I've ever seen in my life. He's, like, real short, real strong, just knows how to play baseball. Like, this kid just doesn't give up. Like, and he is so smart and, like, intelligent in baseball. Like, it's like you can give him, like, a test for baseball, he'll pass that thing immediately. Nobody else will beat him. This Like, this kid helped me go from – an like an iffy player to like get me like actually like really good in my hitting and stuff, like focusing on what what I need to do in the box and what I need to think of and what's the situation. What do I need to do? Well, we don't need a home run at this point. We just need we maybe just need a a little single the other way or a, a double in the gap or something. He's like, just focus on what you need to do and just hit it. And don't like, well, obviously hit it, but um, it's like just it's like he's like. Let your mind just go blank, but like as soon as you see the ball, just like keep your like just keep your swing, think your swing, and think where that ball is, and just hit it where it's pitched, and just keep going at it. Obviously, you mentioned Landry, you mentioned Maxi. Obviously, you have yourself as well being another Power Five commit. You guys go into that state championship last year as a team. For you, like through your eyes, you know, going through this program, what do you think has led to the success of your guys' high school program? Definitely, our coach. Our our coach is one of the best dudes you'll ever meet. And like he, like the practices we have, like he knows his stuff. He knows what to do. Like, he's like, we're going to do this and we're just going to keep going at it until y'all get it right. And then I think after so many times of reps, he's just doing like, we'd be out there for practice for three hours one day if we weren't getting stuff right. We'd just keep going and going and going. And this, he would push us to our limits until we got everything right. And that thing, I think that's what helped us and get all the way to where we were and hopefully where we're going to hopefully where we want to get to get uh, hopefully where we want to get to this year so everyone talks about you know texas high school baseball i mean texas high school sports in general but everyone knows that texas high school baseball is you know one of those top three when it comes to cali texas florida you guys are up in the mix for that number one spot for texas high school competition for you, you know, obviously you guys have a loaded team, but what does that competition level look like in your guys' region? Who are you guys playing in the spring? Maybe some other Power 5 commits that you're facing off against. Maybe some teams you have circled on that calendar. What does that competition look like in your region of Texas? So this weekend, tomorrow, we play a, a team called – or a high school called Alvin, and I think it's Shadow Creek? No, not Shadow Creek. I forgot what the other team is. Oh, Clear Falls. We play Clear Falls. Um, so they have an A&M. Alvin has an A&M guy. And uh, Clear Falls has a Texas guy that I used to play baseball with. He's a 2025 also. Um, both super good pitchers, hard throwing. They they locate. They're both lefties. Ball moves a lot. It's just probably baseball in Texas, is pro I, in my opinion, has has to be the hardest type of baseball that you can play. I know Cali and Florida have really good players there, but I think Texas just blows it out of the water. Okay. All right. I'll, I mean, I'll take your word for it. I mean, I interviewed some Florida and California guys as well. I mean, they're saying the same thing. I know you guys got, you know, a big, big uh, heart of pride there when it comes to your oh, yeah. And, I mean, whatever ends up being who's number one, I mean, you guys are all, you know, 
have legit talent within the game of baseball. So as you're playing at that Texas high school baseball level, and you're also looking at just, you know, playing for the Texas 12, playing up against, you know, top tier travel baseball teams. What do you think is tougher when you're in underclassmen? So, you know, freshman last year, sophomore this year, playing against Texas high school competition where you'll be facing guys who, you know, 17, 18 years old, just away from college, or when you're playing travel baseball with the Texas 12 against some of the top tier talent, of your own age group, you know, what's tougher and is there maybe a mind shift, mind shift uh, change there as well? I think definitely having to face those power five big, like school guys that are like 17, 18 years old, who've been in the game longer than obviously I have and can, and knows more about it, like knows what to do, knows more like sequences and more like hitting stuff that maybe I don't know yet. I think that's probably one of the hardest things is having to go up against those 17, 18 year olds. And then I think ours, I think for my class, one of the hardest things is probably just the, the kids My like there's kids in my grade that are throwing 96, 97. I think that's probably the hardest one thing is like seeing those kids that throw 95 to 97, 93 to like 96. It's definitely a lot harder to do since it's coming out of like, it. it's like insane to me that it's coming out of a 15 or 16 year old's body instead of a 20 year old's body. So I think definitely the the high school one facing them eighteen year olds will have to be the a lot okay. harder. Okay. So you know when you are playing high school ball, playing for the twelve, I know you said for USA trials you're kind of all over the place. But like we've talked about, your pitcher, catcher, outfield, you know DH last year as a freshman as well. You know, kind of going forward for these next couple of years in your mind, you know, kind of what is that plan going forward before you make it to that next level position wise? Like, are you planning on you know maybe putting a certain emphasis on one position? What does that kind of look like right now through your eyes? So right now I'm more leaning just towards a catcher and outfielder because obviously I'm, I don't throw hard enough to be, to throw in in college ball. So it's like, I'm just going to pitch, I'm just going to pitch in high school and it's called pitching done there. And then I'll just focus on my hitting and um, hitting and feeling from there on. Okay. So let's talk, let's kind of move. Let's talk about you until when you actually are behind the plate. Um, do you kind of, when it does uh, Coach Bennett, does he allow you to call those pitches when you're playing for him on the Texas 12? Yes. Okay, so when you are calling pitches, kind of take us through your mindset as you're working down an order, you know, one through nine. Just take us through, you know, maybe what you're thinking when you're starting a guy off with a, diff- a certain pitch or just take us through what your mindset is calling pitches. So, like, I go off a bunch of pitch sequences. I'm a big p- pitch sequence guy, like, I if I see a, a kid like that just dives out on the plate, say there's a lefty on the mound, there's a there's a righty. If this kid's just diving on the plate, and then actually I did this the other day too playing. There's this righty that was just diving on the plate, diving on the plate, and this lefty he has a cutter that's really gross and go with a changeup. So I just started him with the fastball out, got it for a strike, and then didn't swing, and then I threw a cutter in that he fouled off. I threw another one that like jammed him. Like he like nubbed it out to like third and we got the out. And the I just the way like pitches move, like getting them to move like off the same spot in the same arm angle and then moving different ways, I feel like we'll just get so many batters thrown off balance. It's like, uh oh, he just threw this. What is he gonna throw now? Here comes this, and then oh no, I'm out. So it's like it's like I don't know how to explain it. Pitch, I feel like pitch, pitch calling is probably one of the hardest – is one of the – also one of the hardest things to do in baseball. 
Of course. I mean, everyone talked about, you know, Yadi Molina, Yadi Molina, you know, having that best baseball IQ um, in the game. I mean, obviously, because he was calling pitches, you know, building relationships with pitchers. But to be calling those pitches, you obviously have to build some sort of trust factor, you know, with your with the guy on the mound. So how did you kind of go about, you know, maybe building those relationships, you know, building that trust before the game with with your battery mate, with the guy on the mound? Just I think trying to get more trust from is just working on within the bullpen. Like if they're struggling with something like just talking to him, seeing where I need to like set myself up, set his eyes at, like move my glove around, like see how he wants it to break and stuff. Just moving around, getting you set up where like he's struggling and then you set up somewhere else. And then, so he'll start dialing and then it'll come all right back in. You'll just start throwing real good. Okay. So when it comes, when it comes to game planning for, let's say you're facing USA prime, when it comes to game planning, some of these guys, is there any scouting that comes into it, you know, beforehand or for the most part, um, are you kind of just going off, you know, what the guy looks like, maybe what he's looks like in pregame during, you know, when he's in the batter's box, what does that kind of look like? How do you make those decisions? So in travel ball, it's, I, I know a bunch of people, so like I know what they can do and like what they can do. So that's a good advantage for me to have by knowing people is like what they can hit and they can't hit. And then other people I don't know, I just have to go blindly and just see what, what they can't hit and what they do hit and stuff. And then in high school ball, our coaches, we keep a, we have a sheet of like all the other batters we face and stuff and like who we have faced, who we haven't. So that also helps us out a lot and like what to throw him and what he got out, what he struggled with, what he didn't struggle with and all that. Yeah. So have you had a time where you're calling pitches, let's say you want to throw a fastball away, you're getting shaken off. You want to go slider inside, getting shaken off. Do you ever have those times where the pitcher's like, I want to throw this certain pitch and kind of, you know, shaking you off a couple different times? I've had that like once or twice, but not too often because me and, me and the people I catch, we we talk, we communicate before we go out, and we just figure out what we want to do, what's feeling good. So like, I'm not gonna call anything that like if he's struggling with, not can't find the command. Of it, I'm not, I'm not gonna call it. I'm not just gonna give a free bag because we can't throw a strike with the pitch. So it's like they trust me, but the only time I really had that was maybe like last was last year I, I, during a tournament game I was catching, and I just I. It was like two two, and I called like a change up, and he wanted like a slider or something. I went change up fastball, like curveball, and you can go slider on the last one. But that was about it. Yeah. Okay. So let's transition a little bit to the hitting side of things. So with you being a catcher, being behind the dish there for quite a few games, do you think that kind of gives you advantage on the hitting side of things as well? More of a yes and no because. On the, starting with the no part, like you don't know, like if you haven't faced pitcher more before, you don't know what he is, you don't know what he has, you don't know what he throws, like how hard he throws, what he throws, and all that stuff. And the yes part is like you're since you're by back there, you 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 know the strike zone, you're catching, you know where he's calling balls and strikes, so that gives you a good advantage to know like if he's not calling them in, like you can stand on the plate and he just won't call them inside. If he's not calling them outside, then you can just take the ones that are outside. Yeah, and that's what helps out a lot. Yeah. So when you are hitting, you know, what is that approach? Let's say you're in the batter's box. I'm sorry, you're on the on-deck circle. You're walking up to that batter's box. You know, what's going through your mind? What are you trying to do with each at-back? Kind of take us through what that approach looks like for you. So I like I get in there. I, I do the same routine every time. Like, I walk up to the batter's box. I shuffle my feet all the way forward. Like, go take one big shuffle forward in the front of the batter's box all the way back. And I get, like, a little hole for my foot to go into, and I – like dig that and I step out and I take a swing. It's like just trying to get my head locked in, get my swing right, see what I'm feeling and see 
what feels wrong and what doesn't and what feels good. Yeah. Like, and in the box, it's like, I'm hunting the first pitch fastball no matter what. If I see it, I'm swinging. If not, the curveball hangs, I'll hit it. But if it's if it's a curveball low, I ain't swinging. If it's fastball anywhere else, I ain't swinging. But, sorry. Um, just, if I, it's more of a, it's more of a mental thing. Like, if I see something, I'm just going to go at it. If I see it anywhere close to the zone, I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit it where it's pitched. If it's out of the zone, obviously I'm going to take it. I'm gonna, if I get four straight balls, I'm going to get my walk. But otherwise, I'm just going to hit it where it's pitched. Yeah. So are you a big two-strike approach type of guy? Or for the most part, do you kind of keep that same approach throughout the at-bat? It depends. So there's different times I do it. It's like if there's a guy throwing like like mid-90s and then there's guys throwing like upper 80s. Like upper 80s, I can go – I don't have to go as much of a two-strike approach. And like the upper 90s guys, I'll go two-strike approach. Like I will just cut my – technically, I won't cut my legs out. I'll just get into them. We'll take a stride. Just using my hands to like fight – just to hit one up the middle or the other way. Yeah. So let's say you're a scout watching your game. So when you're behind the dish, when you're playing the outfield, when you're in the batter's box, you're maybe interacting with some teammates as well. If you were a scout watching your game this spring, what would be that personal scouting report that you would write up on yourself? Um, that question, I really don't know how to answer. It's kind of a hard one to answer. Um, you can just, I, if you want to, you can just dig into your strengths. Yeah, probably. I, jeez, oh, that's a hard one. Um, probably just like my arm. Like I have a good arm from outfield, good arm from behind the plate. Um, my bat was pretty. Was I would assume pretty good if it's gotten me offers from Texas Tech and stuff. And like I've able, I've been able to like hit against top, probably the top pitching in the U.S. for my grade and the grades above me and stuff. Feel like that would probably be it yeah all right so you know as you're looking forward to you know obviously the rest of this spring this summer and then even beyond that to your junior senior year and head to that next level at texas tech what would be a few key things that you're wanting to put emphasis on you know through your development you know on the hitting side of things maybe some defense as well what are just some key things that you're wanting to develop here these next couple of years key things i really want to is my agility like i'm slow i i i would say i'm slow as crap i can't run um jumping is iffy i need to work on my jumping more explosiveness i think most of my stuff is just my knees and my hips i just need to work on more mobility in those okay so you know obviously going through your baseball career being a texas tech commit as a sophomore in high school obviously you've had very very god damn it shit i've had three three interviews today you know shit my my mind just fried but um so obviously, you know, going through your sophomore year, already being a Texas Tech commit, playing in the, being ready to play in the Power Five, um, you obviously had, you know, many influential people within your baseball career so far. You know, so if you can maybe look through, you know, look through whether that's the Texas Twelve, your high school program, maybe some trainers that you've had, you know, who would be those most, you know, two to three most influential people within your baseball career so far, and what would be the reasoning for them being so influential? Uh, number one has to be my dad. Like, there's no but. I don't think I can choose anybody else because he he played college ball at like 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 at, at JUCO's at San Jag down here and like he hit all the way through high school. He was a pitcher in college. Like he's developed me to pretty much where I am now and just guided me my whole life to where I need to be. And 
now he's like getting older, he may not like you can't do as much. So it's like it's more of going on my shoulders, like get your crab done, go do what you have to do, go get better, go push yourself. Instead of him just having to like push me, got more and like, come on, let's go do this, get off your butt, let's go do stuff. Come on, come on. Like let's just keep going. He's he's probably been the most influential person I've ever had in baseball. Okay. So let's dig a little bit into your recruiting process here. This is gonna be the last segment of the baseball side of things. So take us through this recruitment process, you know, when it got started, when exactly was that, that division one teams kind of started, you noticing you and started reaching out. So the first one was right after I hit that home run at Cary against USA prime. I, I got a call from a college and they wanted me to call them. Like they can't call me. I called them and I called and talked to them. And then after that, I went to, what is it? I would think we went to like, we went to Florida and like, it was like West Palm or something. And then and we play at the Boomba Complex, if you know where that is. And um, we, I think that's where it really kicked off was USA in there because I think in front when I hit that home run, there was like 10, 15 scouts that they're watching. And I had a bunch, I had like nine, I had like 10 or 11 hits out of like 18 at bats at, in Florida. That's when it really started to kick off and colleges were starting to notice me. Okay, so, you know, as this recruiting process was getting kicked off, kind of take us through, you know, maybe what those initial conversations were like with teams. You know, did a lot of coaches have that same strategy when it came to that initial phone call, getting to know you? Just take us through maybe those first couple of conversations with different teams and how, you know, those relationships evolved with different college coaches. So it was probably about the same thing, just wanting to get to know you, how you like the school, what do you think of their school? Have you, like, have you like watched them play? Have you been to the facility? Have you seen? Have you been there before and stuff? And it's pretty much how most of them went down. They just wanted to get to know you. They just wanted you to keep calling, keep talking to them, see how you felt until you could maybe go out there and see them. Okay. So as you're going through this process, you know, talking to Texas Tech, some other schools as well, you know, what were some of those key things that you were looking for within a campus, within a coaching staff? Just what were some of those key things that were going to be, you know, key focal points within your decision? Yeah, just like a good coaching staff that will just help you and like guide you to like, help you get to like the next level like the pros from college like just help just coach you and help you and let you like have fun be yourself like and not like be yourself too and not just keep you like crammed down like this one little thing like they'll let you like expand out like be cool with each other and stuff and all like that okay. I think that's probably one of the best all right so you know going through this process talking to all these different schools what was it that stood out at Texas Tech for you to choose them as your as your commitment the coaching staff. Okay. Coach, that was a simple answer there. Take us through that relationship oh, yeah. with the coaching staff, you know, how that got started, how it's evolved since committing. Take us through that relationship. Just getting to know them better and talking to them over time as like, like I've been like, I've been super busy with baseball now. Like I may have not had much time to talk to them, but every time I have talked to him, it just has been amazing. Like, all the coaches are super nice, super cool, love to talk to you, like love to make jokes. Like they're just – it's like having another dad basically. You're like a big brother. Yeah. So with the coaching staff being so influential within that recruiting process there going to Texas Tech, you know, how much are you looking forward to September 1st, 2023, when these regulations go by the wayside and you're not having to worry about, hey, I'm going to give you a call at 4 p.m. today or whatever. What are you looking forward to most for these regulations going away? Just getting to talk to him more and getting to text him throughout the day and call him throughout the day and 
just getting to know what's going on there. What's and then they'll probably at like what's going on here, like me telling them what's going on here and stuff, and all that. Yeah. So obviously the Texas Tech coaching staff was very good. You, you like we said talked. It was very influential within your recruiting decision. Were there maybe a couple other schools that maybe finished a close second or third behind Texas Tech? Definitely OSU was my second option. Their their coach staff was really good, but I think Texas Tech, like the way they they way they got me to go there and and get me drawn in was just how they talk to you and how they coach. Like I watched games of how they coach and stuff, and like I watched a couple practice videos of how they what they did. They just blew it out of the water. Yeah. They were just the best. Yeah. So while you were deciding between Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. You know, do you remember that day where it hits you? Okay, I'm going to Texas Tech. So that Texas Tech has also been a dream school of mine since I was ten. I I told when Schlossenegel was at TCU, I told him that I wanted to go to Texas Tech when like we were doing. He was doing a camp down here, and he's like, "Where do you want to go to school?" And he was at TCU at the time, and I I was ten. I was like eleven or twelve actually, and I like I didn't know any better how to talk to coaches. I said I just blurted out Texas Tech. And it's just it's just been my school since I was little. Yeah. And, and he went from TCU to Texas Tech, correct? No, he went to uh, A&M. Okay, I knew there was some, I knew there was some sort of coaching change within the the Texas college landscape. I was one hundred percent sure which one. Um, but you know, we talk about relationships there. I know you talk about Maxie, who's you know one of your high school teammates at catcher at Texas Tech now. Besides Maxie, what are some of those other relationships you have with some you know upcoming Texas Tech commits? Maybe some guys in your class, maybe guys in 24, 26 as well. Uh, just take us through some of those relationships that you have with some you know future teammates there at Tech. So I know one kid. Um, he's in my class. That's the one only one I really talk to about it. His name's Casey Cunningham. He's a shortstop. Um, he's really cool, really cool kid. Love to talk to him. You can always talk to him. Like, like if you're like if you're busy, and like you're in your downtimes, you just need to talk to someone. He's the perfect one to talk to. Yeah. And then I have a, another friend out there. He's a 2022 also. He's a pitcher, Jacob Rogers. He's there with Dylan right now. Okay. And is Jacob? Is he another Texas guy, or is he from a different yeah. state? He's from Texas. Okay. He, he, All right. What'd you say? He was from my high school too. Oh, okay. Shoot. So you guys had, you guys were absolutely loaded last year. Shoot. Uh, no, man, that's awesome. Uh, but no, so that was kind of like the last baseball question I had for you. Kind of want to dig into my last, you know, four or five questions, my rapid fire, digging, you know, away from the baseball field here a little bit. So let's dig into passions here to start out. So, you know, away from the game of baseball, you know, what are some of those passions that you have to, you know, maybe cope with some stress, get your mind off some things? You know, what are some of those passions that you have? I think it's probably not a good one to say, but it's, it's video games. Like if I, if my mind's on something I want to get off, I just go and play video games. My friends or my uncle, me and my uncle have played video games since I was like seven. Okay. And we just, we still play together all the time. It's like, that's just what gets my mind off of stuff. Yeah. And you an Xbox or you a PlayStation type of guy? Both. Both. Okay. So you got both consoles sitting at home. Yeah. All right. So when you are playing, are you playing the show? Are you playing 2K? Uh, the what, show? What are you playing? Either the show, Call of Duty, and I, I'm I'm a huge car guy. I love cars and probably like car mechanic. I'll play that every now and then. Car me there's a there's a video game called Car Mechanic. Yeah, it's like Car Mechanic Simulator 21 or 22. 
Okay, that's kind of cool. I I played Farming Simulator growing up. That was always fun. Mm-hmm. The show. So when you're on the show, are you a you play the franchise Road to the Show? What do you play? Diamond Dynasty. Diamond Dynasty. Okay. See, you know, I always wanted to play that, but then I'm like, when I sit down, I don't want to, you know, be you know forced to play nine innings because that's mm-hmm. the way Diamond Dynasty works, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay. But yeah. Either you start off. Sorry, I'm grabbing a charger real quick. Um. It's either you start off really hot or you start off really cold and the game will last a while. That's how pretty much I am. If I start off really hot, like, I'll just blow through this dude and he'll end up, like, rage quitting or, like, disconnecting from the game or something like that. <laughs> See, I, I was always a franchise guy. You know, I always loved, you know, b- making those rebuilds, you know, when that yeah. came, you know, like the 2016 Cubs or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I always liked, you know, doing franchise rebuilding teams. Uh, but digging down to your motivation. So kind of what is it that, you know, just deep down internally that helps, you, you know, get out of bed every morning, helps you go just continuously evolve, continuously get better. What are some of those motivations that you have? Probably that my friends and family that I get to see every day. Like my friends, like I can talk to them, I can say whatever, and they they will they they'll just have my back. Like my I've been my girlfriend almost a year now, and a couple of days it'll be a year. Like she's been my number one supporter. Like I can talk to her about anything I want to, and she'll just be she'll just be there for me for anything. Awesome. So taking that question a little bit further, let's fast forward twenty years down the road. So twenty forty three. You'll be 35, 36 years old. Everything keeps going right. You know, you keep using those motivations to keep to continuously get better. What does that perfect picture of your life look like? 20 years down the road, you're in your mid-30s. What does that look like? I know every kid's answer is for me, like, be a billionaire, just have all this money and spend all this stuff. But mine's probably just to be, like, be wealthy enough to take care of my family, take care of my mom and dad when they get older, take care of who I'm living with. Probably just live on a ranch. I'm a big hunting and fishing guy. I love that stuff. That's probably one of the main things I want to do. Okay, so living on a ranch, you planning on going back to Texas? You can move to maybe Arkansas, Oklahoma. What's that? What's that kind of idea looking like right now? Staying in Texas, always. In Texas, okay. The Texas. What's it? Are you guys? So you guys are the tech. Like I know Indiana. We're the Indiana Hoosiers. For Hoosiers. Texas, what are you guys? The Red Raiders. No, I'm talking about. No, I'm oh. talking about like. Uh, shoot, like what's it? I know, like when you're like from the when you're from a certain state, uh, what is that called? Lone, the Lone Star State. That's a Lone we're Star State. Okay, so you got that Lone Star State pride. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this I know you're a high school kid. I remember when I went down to Texas one time, I had some Lone Star beer. Um, that was oh, one yeah. Texas beer I remember having. I was like, shoot, mm-hmm. if I'm in Texas, I gotta I gotta drink some Lone Star beer. Uh, yeah. but so digging out of my last question here on the J.K.R. podcast for you. Um, so the same question, I kind of like to dig it off with, you know, every college, every college commit I get on the show. Um, so when you do head to Texas Tech, you're going to get that opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. Um, you know, a new thing that's hit NCAA this past couple of years. I'm sure you've heard about it. Um, so when you do get that opportunity, what would be that dream brand to endorse, collaborate with, partner with, whatever it happens to be? What would that dream brand be? Under Armour. There we go. And that's a Texas Tech brand too. Works perfect. Awesome. I love I love their clothes. Clothes are comfy. Shoes are comfy. Everything's just good. Yeah, there we go. You know, I'm tired of getting that Nike answer. You know, Under Armour, you know, kind of the same, but you know, maybe a little bit better. Um, but no, man, that is 
that's the final question here for you on the Jake Heron podcast. You know, super appreciative of you coming on the show. Um, mm-hmm. It's been fun digging into your career, your time with the Texas 12. So I really appreciate that. Um, I do want to wish you the best of luck as you continue on, you know, with your sophomore year, but then even beyond that as well, as you head into 24, 25, and then go into that next level as well. Just best of luck with that. And man, like I said, just thanks for coming on the Jake Heron podcast. Thank you for having me.